Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Welcome to the latest episode of I Am Steve R. I am proud to say that as of the day, I've been sober for now 10,981 days. That's a lot of 24 hours. Very proud, very grateful. I live a life of gratitude in many respects. I try to always do it. It doesn't always work out the way I intend. But uh, it has been a long time since I have taken a drink or taken an illegal substance, or gotten high, or anything of the sort. And if you had told me way back in December 10th, 1991, that I would make it this far and have this many days of continuous sobriety, I would not have believed it. But I want to share with you a story today that I think is very important. There was a man who was lost in the woods. Not quite sure how he got there. Not quite sure what the circumstances were, but he was lost. And at some point, he decided to improve his station in life. He decided, you know what, I'm going to walk my way out of the woods. I'm going to find a different way to live. And so he began walking towards the light, began walking towards the sun. There was no road map. There was no guidance. There was just a man putting one foot in front of the other. The traveling was very slow. The terrain, very treacherous. And time as he walked and strode towards the sun, limbs would impede his path. At times the brush would be too difficult to traverse. But he trudged on. Slowly but surely, he trudged forward towards the light. There were times this man thought, you know, perhaps I'm going in the wrong direction. There were times he thought there's an easier, softer way. Perhaps there is an easier path. He would walk to his left. He'd walk to his right. The circumstances never really changed. He was in the dense woods, unsure of which way to go, 
and unsure of what, what step to take next. But he walked towards the sun. As he began to walk, he began to notice that there was a clearing of sorts, and his pace began to quicken. In time, he found a path. Now, all of a sudden, he'd realized that, hi, this might be the right way to go. I have made some progress. I have uh, moved forward towards the goal, towards an uncertain future. But I know at this point, now that I have found a path, there is now evidence that I am walking in the same direction that other people have before me. And so he began to walk. Now all of a sudden, his pace began to quicken. His mood began to improve. He began to realize perhaps this is truly the way out. He walked along. And in time, he came upon other travelers. Many of them lost and disillusioned like himself. Not quite sure where they were going. Many of them shared the path at times. Other times, people walked in the wrong direction, deeper into the woods. But he walked his own journey, one step at a time. Some shared the path for a while. Some shared the path for miles and miles and miles. At times, he got irritated by having to share the path with others. So he would walk back into the woods. And he would soon find that the pace would slow once again. His progress towards his goal began to slow. So he got back on the path and thought, you know what? I'll deal with these people. I'll also have some company to, to help share the journey at times. And so he walked. And he walked. And he walked. As he began to walk, the path began to broaden a little bit. He realized, you know what, hey, this is a place, this is a path that a lot of people have trod before. I feel like I am on the right track. He would stop to rest. When he found perhaps a rushing creek, he would kneel down to quench his thirst and in time, he got back on the path. As the path began to stretch towards the horizon, he once found that there was a road. There was a paved path of sorts. Now, the pace towards the sun and towards salvation began to pick up even more. And at times, he could even run. Soon, the path began to lead him out of the wilderness. His heart, began, his heart rate began to, to rise a bit as he realized this is going to happen. I am going to find salvation. I am going to find a way to have a better life. So he stayed on the paved path. The trees began to clear. 
the brush began to disappear and he found civilization and he found a community and he found new people that had walked the same path and said yeah I've been there before too I've taken that trip but there's more of a journey to go we can't be satisfied with just simply being here at the first camp stop. We have to keep moving forward. But the best way to move forward is for us to do it together and let us remain on the paved path. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Now, you may know where I'm going with this story, and you may not. So allow me what's left of our time together today to try to explain what that means for recovery. This is not a hiking show. This is not a trail running show. This is not really a self-help show. This is about recovery. And so I share that with you because we all begin at the same starting point. And that is stuck in periods of disillusionment, confusion, despair, depression. We all start with one goal in mind, and that is self-improvement. That is a life, maybe perhaps a little less ordinary, but certainly one with less consequence. We're all still living life on life's terms, but at the end of the day, the journey gets a whole lot easier when we follow the path that has been established by the people that came before us. And if we stay on that path, we'll find great improvement not only in our journey, but also in ourselves. A lot less out there to trip us off on the paved path of recovery. There are so many people that have the same line of thinking that I had when I first got into recovery. It's like, well, you know, I can do it my own way. What worked for them may not work for me. The reality of that is, is that recovery is not a cafeteria style experience. 
I thought, well, perhaps I can build a better mousetrap. I've shared with you guys before, when I was in Pine Grove Recovery in December of 1991, I thought, well, maybe if I just memorize the 12 steps, they'll be impressed with how smart I am and just let me leave. Oh, well, he's kind of got it all figured out. The reality of that line of thinking is that I was completely wrong. It's not just about saying a few prayers, repeating a few cliches, shaking everybody's hands, saying the Lord's Prayer, opening up with a serenity prayer. You know, all that stuff is important to what we do. But it's one thing to say it, it's another to live it. The path to recovery for me has been the most difficult thing that I have ever undertaken in my life. It will be for you too. I can't promise you riches. I can't promise you success. I can't promise you that you're going to you know, reconnect and rebuild those relationships that perhaps that you have neglected for many, many years. That, that They may never be repaired. And it's important that you know that now. It may never happen. And if they don't, you just keep walking. You just keep walking. Because what happens is eventually, while those relationships may never, never be restored, they can be replaced. I was so upset and so bitter to think, hey, well, this has been my friend. I want to keep that friend in my life. You know, that friend may not have any interest in having a life with you. That, may, that friend may keep you at arm's length. And you know what? That is perfectly okay. We have earned that isolation. Life may never be the same. But there's a good chance that it's going to be better. We learned that we're powerless over people, places, and things. We're not powerless over how much time we spend with them, though. That's a decision that we get to make now. Wasn't always the case. There are some people in your life that were quite content for you to be lost in the wilderness. And there are some people in their minds you'll always be one of the outsiders. And you know what? That's okay, too. Because we're not living for their approval any longer. We're living for ourselves. We're living to get better. We are not bad people pretending to be good. We are sick people trying to get well. Now, that man that we talked about at the beginning of the show, that began that journey through the woods, you know what? He might have found civilization on the path less traveled. It would likely have taken him a lot longer. These aren't my rules. These are nature's rules. You walk in the wilderness. You walk on unsettled terrain. You take limbs to the face. You're going to walk a lot slower. But if you can find the path, the path of improvement, you'll meet some friends along the way that will help you understand where you're going and how to get there. I think it's important that we accept that now. Dr. Bob and Bill W., the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous, set forth the 12 steps. It's been adopted by recovery groups around the country. It doesn't matter what your drug of choice is or your ailment. They've put a great path together for us. And there are some people, even to this day, that say, you know, hey, I'll do it my way. I'll do the first step, but I'm not going to do that fourth step. I'm not going to write that stuff down. 
I'm not going to go confess anything. I'm not going to turn the will and care of my life over to the care of God. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it my way. And you know what? Good luck with that. I don't believe that would have worked for me. And the more that I read in the big book and I began to discover the promises of Alcoholics Anonymous, we talked about that on the last show. When I discovered that those were real, that I could have those in my life, I began to think, okay, well, how do I get them? How do I achieve you know, the, uh, the freedom from financial insecurity? How do I begin to intuitively know how to handle situations that once baffled me? How, how does that happen? And it is something basically metaphysical. There is something magical about it. And so I remember an old timer in a meeting said, you know what, if you want what we have, you're going to have to do what we did in order to get it. That made sense to me. It's like, okay, well, this, this person seems to be pretty content in life. You know, every time I walk in here, I feel like my chest is about to burst because my heart is filled with anxiety, my head filled with stress. And these people always seem to be so genuinely glad to be here. I want to be like them. I want to be happy, joyous, and free. And so in time, I found the paved path. I continue to walk the paved path. It's a whole lot easier than walking in the wilderness because you find that those promises come true for you a lot quicker in life when you follow the path that's been laid out before you by the people that have taken this journey before. Now, they tell me I'm an old-timer, and I guess that's true. I remember the early days of my recovery, and I would see people that had three, four, and five years, and I thought, man, look at this. Look at this. Here I am with a 30-day chip. Yeah, 30 days feel like an eternity, and it is. People say, well, you know, 30 days is not a long time. Okay, we'll go to jail for 30 days. Get back to me. I've done that, too. I think it's important to understand that everything in life is relative. Time is relative. You know, to that guy, that gal that has two weeks sober, a year seems like an eternity. And when you have a year and you see somebody that has 30, 40 years, you begin to think, man, this thing must really work. There must be something to it. And the thing that I begin to ask myself is, why do these people keep coming back? If they have 20, 30, 40, don't you ever graduate from AA? Don't you ever get to the point where it's like, nah, you know, hey, I don't have to go anymore. And, you know, I don't go to meetings as often as I used to. And that's really a shame. And the indictment is mine, not on Alcoholics Anonymous. It's one of the reasons that I do this podcast. It's one of the reasons that I share so much with other people. And I've had many people that have reached out to me and said, hey, Steve, I don't know what to do. I want to get clean and sober. I don't know what to do. I take, I take it as an honor. They reach out to me. I try to be transparent. I try to be visible. I try to be a good member of the recovery community. And the biggest lesson that I can tell you is this, is that listen to the people that have what you want and read the same literature and commit those words to your heart, mind, and soul. There are a lot of people that read books about recovery that don't read the books of recovery. Much different deal. Oh, have we read the big book? Have we read the story of Alcoholics Anonymous? Have we read the 12 steps? The 12 and 12? Have we read that? 
oh, well, no. Well, I read, you know, this celebrity's book on recovery. You know what? That may be helpful, you know, as an ancillary type deal. But have you read the big book? Oh, well, no. Well, then the indictment's yours. There are a lot of folks, I go to meetings sometimes, and uh, there are some people, I, I won't say they irritate me, but there are some people I kind of have pity on. And, you know, pity is the, is the, worst, uh, <laughs> the worst thing you can offer anybody. And I say that because I see that they were once like me. And what I mean by that is, is I, I say, you know what, these, this, you know, maybe they'll make it, maybe they won't. But I know that they're going to go through some difficulties. I know they're going to have some pain, even in recovery. You know, when I was on that pink cloud, early on in recovery, you think everything is great. I'm getting up going to work every day. I'm paying my bills. I got a little bit of money left over at the end. Maybe I can treat myself and, you know, maybe go buy myself something. Maybe go to the movies. You know, those were big days. And you feel like you're rewarding yourself. It's like, hey, I'm, I'm living life on life's terms, and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be. Now, there'll be many other people that say, hey, you shouldn't be rewarded for just simply doing the right thing. I disagree. I think there has to be some reward in every bit of it. But sometimes the greatest reward is just knowing that you're living life the way you should. One of the old adages in Alcoholics Anonymous is you're only as sick as your secrets. How great is it to be free of that? You know, I wonder about those things sometimes, too. I mean, I've been clean and sober now over 30 years. You know, how many people that I wronged those years ago still hold a grudge against me for all that stuff? You know, in that situation, that prison is theirs. It's of their own making. It's not anything that I'm a part of. Because I harbor no ill will in my heart towards anyone. I've made amends as best I can to everybody that I've wronged. I continue to, to take that inventory as, as suggested in Step 10. There are times I'll, I'll send a hurried text message to somebody and say, hey, listen, hey, I said this earlier today, and uh, maybe perhaps it didn't come across the way I intended. So I want to apologize to you if I've offended you or hurt your feelings. And 99 times out of 100, it's like, oh, man, I didn't think anything about that. I said, well, you know, I just wanted to say I don't want there to be any, any issues between us. And so I just didn't want to let that fester. Now, back when I was in the middle of uh, in the throes of addiction, I didn't care about those relationships didn't matter to me. If you had a problem with me, that, the problem was yours. I didn't care. You weren't bothering me. But the truth of the matter is, is I, I wasn't necessarily a great person. Did a lot of things to hurt a lot of people. And I think it's important as we mature down the path of recovery that we begin to realize when we perhaps have harmed somebody. And how many times in life have we had this tension between us and another person, and it might just be in our heads. And so we just kind of live with it. And rather than live with that, why not just acknowledge it? Well, well, let's just go ahead and clear the air. Say, hey, listen, John, here's the deal. You know, the other day you said something or I said something or whatever, and and it's been on my mind ever since, and I want to get this straight. Let's come to an understanding here because I value this relationship, whether it be professional, professional or personal. It's important to me, and so I don't want there to be any tension between us. And that doesn't mean that we're always the offending party. There are other times that people say and do things to me that uh, they, 
you know, kind of kind of get under my skin a little bit. Well, rather than take that crap home with me, let's I'm gonna go ahead and talk to you about it. Like, hey, you said this the other day, and I might have misunderstood what you said, but this is kind of my belief on what you intended. And so it kind of chapped my hide a little bit, so I want to talk about that. You can't be scared to set some boundaries. As the, as the, the infamous Dr. Phil tells us, you train people how to treat you. And if you allow people to dump on you over and over and over again, you become a dumping ground. And that, again, goes back to self-worth. Your feelings matter. And that's one of the things in this generation that I'll, that I'll say, that we've got a pretty good handle on the fact that about feelings. How do we feel? And sometimes our feelings are totally incorrect. Well, I feel that this person doesn't like me because of this, or because of that, or because of this. You know, sometimes you've got to toughen up. But, but the reality of it is many of these relationships are not single-serving. So it's important to have open lines of communication. And all this, again, goes back to the principles of Alcoholics Anonymous. And that's about that, that new freedom, the new hope, is that now I have the freedom to tell you how I feel. I have the freedom to tell you, hey, this doesn't jive with me, and so let's get it corrected. Now, when I was in the throes of addiction and buried under guilt and self-doubt and the negative self-image, I didn't think enough of myself to ever speak up for myself. I would just let people say and do. And so if there were ever any misgivings and like if my feelings got hurt, I just felt like it was my problem. So I internalized it. And so then what happens? It's like, you know, it starts renting space in your head for free. And next thing you know, it's your full-blown resentment. And a lot of this could just be a creation in your own mind. This could be one of those situations where there's really no tension that exists except in our own interpretation of an incident. So open your mouth and speak. And you can do it respectfully and diplomatically. You know, sometimes you got to put a little bass in your voice, but, but the reality of it is more times than not, there are just misunderstandings. That we misinterpret those things. Next thing you know, we're the ones that are suffering. And so rather than volunteer for that victimization, open your mouth. Speak. Or you'll be right back in the woods. You know, there's nothing better, you know, than taking that long journey, whether you be hiking up a trail or whatever, and you get to that clearing, you overlook there, and things are just so beautiful, and life is great. You know, the next thing you know, there's, some, there's something that happens that kind of changes the mood or whatever. And sometimes it's not within your control. Maybe a rainstorm blows in. Maybe you run out of water. You know, something. There's always something. Those things are going to happen in life. It's how we deal with them that determines our level of serenity. It's like, hey, the rain came in. And I'm reminded of something that a great friend of mine said years ago. All sunshine and no rain makes a desert. And so the way that I look at those things now is like, hey, do you remember that time we got caught out in the rain? We're hiking that trail. You know, we're out at the, uh, the Clark Nature Center down in St. Francisville or whatever. Remember that time we went out to hike the trail and, and we got rained on and how funny it was? And, you know, it's learning to live in the moment, guys. It really is. And is it really that big a deal? You know, one of the things that I have tried to um, – 
to kind of articulate with you all in the time we've done these shows is that, you know, sometimes things happen in life because they're part of a divine plan that I, maybe I'm not privy to at this point. You know, I, I used to get so burned out of shape, and, I, and even to this day, I'm not a very patient person. It is something that I have worked on considerably. I'm not as impatient as I once was. There's some people that love me would probably disagree with that. But uh, I don't get as wound up about things anymore. And one of the things that I've thought about is like, you know, it's like, you know, the red light, sometimes you think, you know, it's personal. It's not. The thing is set on a timer more times than not. It's not anything personal. You just happen to catch it at the wrong time. It's not like there's anybody controlling the light. You know, when I, in the 1970s, because I'm from the 1900s, you know, sometimes the police would get out there and control the light to kind of you know, change the flow of traffic, like maybe perhaps there was an event or something. And so we just we don't have that anymore. So it's not like they're, they're stopping you because somehow you are the enemy of the universe, that somebody in the cosmos somewhere is like, hey, let's stop them. Let's impede their progress. Let's slow them down and show them who's boss. That, didn't, that just didn't happen. It's all in our heads. And there are sometimes too, that I'll even speak audibly to my higher power. It's like, man, will you work with me a little bit here? I'm out here trying to do something good, do something positive. And then this is happening. You know, and I'm reminded too, it's life on life's terms. Just the other day, I'm out there picking up some stuff in the yard, you know, trying to gather everything up, you know, make the yard look nice and go put it all in the burn barrel. Next thing you know, I stepped in some mud. Then you got to deal with that the whole time too. You're walking around out there, you know, I think I don't even have it on flip-flops, you know, and it's like, you know, why does this happen to me? Why does it, I'm out here trying to do something positive and productive. And I'm reminded of something my dad told me years ago, too. You know, the rain falls on the head of the just and the unjust alike, and that's Bible. Just because we get clean and sober, just because we're doing something productive, doesn't mean that we're immune from life. Things happen. And again, that's part of being on the paved path, is that we learn. It's not personal. It's just life. We're not being victimized. We're not being singled out. We're not being inconvenienced maliciously. Things happen in life. And that's what recovery teaches us is when these things happen to us, we don't have to go get loaded over it. And here's the deal, too. It's not just about being loaded. It's not just about going and getting drunk or high. It's about living a joyous life. And so now when those things happen, you know, I do my best to just kind of let it run over me. It's like, you know what, hey, I'm good, man. I'm not going to bother me. I'm not going to let this rob me of my serenity. I'm just not going to do it. There are sometimes, like, it, you know, there'll be some incompetent cashier or whatever, you know, maybe perhaps the credit card machine's not working or, you know, the, the, the receipt tape is run out on the cash register. And it's like, oh, my gosh, why is this happening to me? What happens to everybody? You don't get clean and sober and then get immune from life's problems. But the way that I try to look at it is I think, you know, maybe my higher power is protecting me for something. Maybe they're slowing me down. Maybe there was an accident 35 seconds up the road that I was able to avoid because of this incident here. Because of the fact that I'm sitting here at a convenience store while they uh, reboot the credit card machine. Maybe I'm safe here in this place rather than up the road having a dodge an accident. And so sometimes, again, there are things that happen in life that I'm, you know, I'm just not privy to. There's a plan out there at times for my protection that I'm not privy to. You know, one of the things that I, that I, 
I won't say that I love about life, but one of the things that I kind of observe, you know, a lot of people kind of pick and choose, you know, the things that kind of fit their, their self-narrative. You know, it's just like the whole thing, the misquoted scripture where people say, you know, well, all things work for good. Well, that's completely false. That's completely false. That's taking the text out of context. All things work for good for those that are called into God's purpose. And I'm kind of paraphrasing there a little bit. There's a second part of that. You know, people are like, oh, you know, well, you know, well, God's got me. Well, do you got God? You know, those are the things that I, that I kind of ask myself about my own life sometimes. It's like, well, I expect, you know, to have this anointed path in life, but what, what am I doing to deserve that favor? Right? Maybe it's just me. I see it as a two-way street. I don't think that uh, the great creator owes me anything. No, him a lot. And it doesn't matter if you believe in, uh, you know, in God and Jesus or Buddha or Allah or, you know, or think that your higher power is a, you know, a guy that rides a Harley and smokes Roy Tans, as my friend Bob said once in a meeting. You know, you can believe in whatever you want to believe in, but believe in something. Believe in something. It helps me to know that there is a plan. It helps me to know that there is a power greater than myself. And, you know, how else do I reconcile all the rest of it? You know, so I heard somebody say one time, it's like, you know, that if you believe in creation and you believe in the higher power concept and you believe in uh, God the Creator, you kind of got to explain, you know, why is there at times injustice in the world? Why is there suffering in the world? If we have a just Creator, why is there, you know, why do young people die? Why are there kids starving in Africa? That's a difficult thing to explain. But if you believe those things, then that's the only thing you have to explain. If you don't believe in that, you've got to explain everything. Where do trees come from? How does the water system work? Right? And so there's a lot to it. To me, that's just a more complicated way to do it. So it's easier for me to operate under a life of faith and say, well, this makes sense to me. And so I have seen evidence of this of these teachings in my life, and so I abide by those things. Again, the paved path. Now, there are a lot of people out there that will do their best to divert you from the path. Paved, slightly improved, natural, whatever. There are a lot of people out there that want you to get off the path with them because they're happier with you being with them because misery loves company. There's a lot of people out there don't want to see you improve yourself. You have so many people that say, you know, I think most people are good. I, you know, I don't. And maybe it's because we live a different life. I, I think most people are just kind of average, to be quite honest with you. They may not be malicious. They may not be joyous. They may not be, you know, especially charitable. They also may not be evil. I think most people are just kind of regular. And so I think there is a difference between good, bad, indifferent, and average. There's also people that are extremely evil, and there are other people that are extremely elite in all the positive aspects of life. But the bottom line is, is that I, I'm not going to waste my life figuring out 
what category those people fall into. I am responsible for me. Nobody else is responsible for my journey other than me. And so when I'm on the, the path to progress and I feel myself getting better and getting stronger and working towards something, somebody that comes up there and says, hey, let's take this detour, I'm going to assume they don't have my best interest at heart. Because again, there's not an easier, softer way. We're not going to find a shortcut to recovery. I got to follow the paved path by the old timers. They knew their way out of the woods. And here's the thing, too, that I've learned in time. You know, the paved path will take me by every place I need to be. If I take the shortcut, I might miss the next watering hole. If I take the shortcut, I might not have a suitable place to rest my head that evening on the journey. But the reason the path is paved is because it is the best way. And so rather than let those people divert me from my primary purpose or from my own journey, I'm just going to say, you know what, I'm going to be selfish. And, you know, maybe I'm not quite as adventurous as you any longer. But I'm going to follow this path right here because this path has already brought me nearly 11,000 days of continuous sobriety and freedom from chemical dependency. And so if I have all of those 24 hours under my belt, why would I want to freelance now? And I say that too, not really for the benefit of the old timer. I mean, it's really for everybody, but really more for the newcomer, maybe for that person that's got 30, 45 days. Allow me to encourage you to follow the path. Don't try to reinvent the mousetrap. Don't try to find an easier, softer way. You get out there chasing the horizon through the wilderness, you might stay lost. Do what needs to be done when it needs to be done. You're not too cute. You're not too smart to do it the way it needs to be done. And guys, I remember this in the final moments we have together today. I remember Robert Pevsner. He was uh, one of the counselors at Pine Grove when I was there. God rest his soul. He was also my first sponsor. I've shared with you guys before. One of the reasons I picked him is because I resented him. But he told me, he said, Steve, you're too smart to get sober. And I was like, what? He goes, yeah, you're too smart. He said, because you're always going to try to find an easier, softer way. You're always going to try to find another way to do it. Because if you'll just listen and do what people have told you to do, which has always been tough for me to do, the listening part, not so much, the implementation, because I always think, you know, uh, maybe we can get up that mountain a little bit quicker if we go this way, you know. And then after, you know, I've led everybody astray and whatever, everybody's mad and resentful and there's dissension among the ranks. And then it's like, okay, let's double back. Then I've harmed those relationships even further. That's what he told me. He goes, you're, you're too smart to get sober. And the good news is I was smart enough to listen to that. That made an impact on me. It's like, you know what, just do what needs to be done. I remember the first time I got up there and I was you know, going to give my story, you know. And some of you, maybe you've done that, maybe you haven't. 
But I was, had a chance to get up at a speaker meeting for the first time, and I was telling him, yeah, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to have like these visual aids. He goes, no, you're not going to do any of that stuff. You're not going to do any of that stuff because that's about you. That's not about your recovery. That's not about the higher power. That's not about the steps. That's about you. And so I did. I did it the way that he wanted it done. And you know what? He was right. It was a vanity project. These delusions of grandeur that I had. And I was like, nah, I'm going to do this because I'm going to be different. And that's what AA taught me for a while is, you know what? I didn't need to be different. I need to fit in for a while. I need to get a foundation poured and kind of figure out how life really works before I get out here and start freelancing. And so I share that with you because I think it's important. And I wanted to take some time tonight to remind you that no matter what anybody else says or does, because you're going to have all these people pulling on you. You're going to have people that don't understand your way of life. You're going to have people that love you that don't understand you. I've got people in my life that love me to, to death that wish that I wasn't quite so transparent. They're like, you know, are we still talking about this? Yes, we're still talking about this. This is who I am and how I'm built. In order for me to keep this level of sobriety, I've got to give it away. So, yeah, we're still talking about this. And there are going to be people in your life, ah, do, you, do, you, do you still need to go to meetings? Do you still need to do all that stuff? Do you still need to call your sponsor? And the answer to the question is yes. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Don't forget to do the things that got you where you are today. You don't. You got to go pay that insurance premium. You have to. And so as you walk yourself out of the wilderness, let me remind you of this too. There is no search party being formed to save you. Zero. Nobody is going to helicopter in and then lift you out. You're going to have to walk your way out of the woods. And while you do it, as soon as you find the path, you stay on that path. And I promise you, it'll take you places you never thought possible. No matter what you do, no matter where you go, don't ever feel that you're alone because I'm right there with you. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill.